All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome inside the Jason Greger Show today. Just after 2 o'clock, my name is Jason Stradwick. I'll have my hands firmly on the wheel for the next two days as Greger is off on a journey of self-discovery. He didn't tell us where, but... Uh, you know, he's always working on self-improvement, and man, he can improve on a few things. Uh, Connor, I love that intro. Obviously, ABBA, to listen to my many, many highlights, I realized how great of a player actually was, buddy. Yeah, it was tough to narrow it down to those three, actually. There's a lot, a lot <laughs> out there, but we, we found a way to get it down to those three, and it worked out pretty well. A lot of options had to go into the VCR tank, so... <laughs> Uh, those aren't as easy to put across. Anyways, thanks everyone for tuning in today. We'll be with you right through till six o'clock. Jason Stradwick, that's me and Connor Halley and a ton of guests that are going to be joining us to talk about the weekend that was. I mean, you're looking at, uh, the Memorial Cup. We're talking NHL. We're talking NBA finals. I love that they're both uh, just kind of lockstep like that going at it. We've got signings. We've got rumors of new coaches or uh, not new, but coaches coming back to NHL. Um, Maybe uh, two guys, or what, or what, yeah, two guys actually come back to the NHL. So we got a ton of stuff we're gonna cover today. Uh, just really happy to have you along for the drive, if you, or for the ride. If you want to uh, send us a text, do so in the Jiffy Lube inbox. Um, stop in for a full Pennzoil synthetic oil change at Jiffy Lube. Receive a twenty dollars gift card for a local business. Support local. Buy online at JiffyLubeService.ca. That's the Jiffy Lube inbox at ten twelve sixty. Absolutely jam-packed show today. Now, of course, we need your opinion, uh, opinions and input at ten twelve sixty text line. Coming up in about uh, 20 minutes' time, Tommy Gazzola will join us for the Chronicles, get his thoughts on some of the goings-on around uh, the uh, world of sports, including the NHL, which 
The NHL started coming a little bit like the NFL, where the news just doesn't stop coming. Very exciting. Uh, ben Brown, BB, don't call me that. Uh, pro Football Focus will go take a look at uh, some of the stuff uh, the NFL has rolling around right now. Ryan Rashog at uh, 320, Strud's on 340. Help me understand. Right around uh, 4 o'clock, Giorgio Richards, Florida Hockey Now, will break down his team, or their, the team he covers lost in game one. How bad was it? Can they rebound? Um, you know, the score, if you just watched the, if you just looked at the score and didn't watch the game, I think you'd be surprised to find out. I don't believe the game was as, um, the score didn't reflect the game. Let's just put it in English that way. Uh, five questions at 440. Kevin Woodley. In Goal Magazine, the big guest today will join us, talk a little bit of goaltending and talk a little bit about Bobrovsky and how it seems like his team was trying to screen him. Uh, and then tell me I'm wrong to wrap up the show. Just a jam-packed show here today, and um, I can't wait to get into it with uh, all these guests. Of course, the Gregor Show is brought to you by PlayAlberta.ca. Uh, very happy to have him as a partner couple things here we should get to. I love these little details. Here's a pro tip for you. When viewing this spread, the favorite is always the team or the individual with the minus symbol before the number associated with their odds. Bet the spread on your favorite sports today at playalberta.ca, Alberta's only regulated sports betting website. And I like those little details. I, I'm going to try to just slide a few more of those in there that for people that aren't really familiar with the gambling. Um, making the money betting on the sports. So Lots to come today, and I want to start, obviously, with something that was very uh, close to my heart, was the Memorial Cup. I was down there last week. I watched all four teams play. Peterborough played Quebec, and then I saw uh, Peterborough won that game, if I remember correctly, and I saw Kamloops lose to uh, Seattle. And I, 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 thought, I thought Seattle was the best of the four, and they got to play Quebec last night, and they lost... Uh, five nothing, I think it was five nothing in that game, and I was pretty surprised. But you've got to give a lot of credit to uh, the Quebec team, led by uh, their, I guess the guy who's just a winner, quite frankly, Patrick Wah, former goaltender in the NHL, former coach in the NHL. Now I think he's owner, operator, bus driver, and skate driver for the uh, Ramparts, and they won five nothing. And you know, I sat and watched that game. It wasn't. How can I say this nicely? You know, 5 nothing was the score, and I think that was pretty accurate reflection of how the game went. You know, I try, I do have a little bit of skewed view when I watch um, any Western team play in the Memorial Cup. I always want them to do well, and I'd, I'd prefer if they win. And they just, they came up short, right? And they, they, it was like there wasn't a lot of, they weren't creating a lot of offensive opportunities. Um, goal scoring opportunities. They have a lot of firepower. I mean, look at the the talent they had and guys that played, you know, big roles uh, on their teams that were traded to Seattle or guys that played in the in the in the uh, World Juniors and then went there. But they just they couldn't create a lot of offense. And, and you know, off the top of my head, I think the guy that probably had the most offensive, I think he had four or five goals in the Memorial Cup was uh, Krankovic. Um, good, good player. I really like him. He played with Saskatoon and he went to Seattle and I thought he was really good creating offense, but you know, some of the guys, maybe they're hoping to create offense were unable to do it. And you know, it's Quebec, um, did a good job. I thought that 
they made it hard for you to get to the middle of the ice. And, you know, what does that mean? How does it express itself? Well, in, in the most basic of terms is that you put as many of your players literally in the middle of the ice. So between the dots, let's say, or even at times between the hash marks, um, and then you let the other team play outside the dots where there's open ice. And what can happen sometimes is that the teams, the team you're playing against will decide, well, there's a lot of open ice out here, so we'll just keep passing the puck around out there and kind of just shoot from distance. And either that shot gets blocked or uh, it's an easy save for the goalie because it's outside the dots. So it's it's required by the team that is you know attacking to skate into with and without the puck into the middle of the ice and get the puck in there and then get more your bodies in there. So now it's not, you know, four on one in there. Maybe it's three on three or whatever, four on four. You're all getting mailed to the ice. You know, it's easier said than done. And, and it can be a bit misleading because you can have the puck for quite a while when you have it on the outside and feel like you're actually doing something, but you're really not accomplishing much because you're on the outside of the ice. So, it's it, it's it is a little bit of a like I said it can be a little bit misleading and feeling like you're getting something done but in reality you're uh, you're not doing so. Anyways, a hell of a year, you know. For uh, I, there's quite a few local guys that play for Seattle and, and you know hell of a year to make it all the way to the final. Um, but in the end, yeah, I think you got to tip your hat, Patrick Wah, his coaching staff. They they got it done and they were uh, very effective against a. Uh, you know, a Seattle team that was built to win, right? And, you know, when they don't win and you look how jacked that team is, you know, you look around and like, hey, well, what is it going to take for the Western team to win? Because they haven't won for a number of years. And I think this is eight or nine years if I'm, you know, got my, my, my counting right. Connor, I don't know if you got a chance to watch the game, but, uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was pretty competitive. But it just seemed like when Seattle got their chances, they weren't great chances. And when Quebec got one, it was like, Boom, they made it count. And, uh, you know, in a game of two Titans like that, I guess that's what it comes down to. 100%. I mean, you talked about that Seattle team. I, I thought for sure they'd find a way to get it done. But uh, maybe it was Western bias because I just kind of looking back at uh, Quebec Rampart's team strike. They only lost 15 games all year. And I'm talking playoffs, right. Memorial Cup, regular season. Uh, they didn't lose in the Q playoffs until the final when they took down Halifax four games to two. Uh, they had the least goals scored against them in the queue. So obviously that that's something that's going to be a focus for that team. And when it comes to success, finding ways to slow down the other team's top players. And you got to give Patrick Wall a lot of credit. Uh, I know they had a run last year, Quebec, but fell in the league semifinal. So probably a team that was a little bit extra motivated to get back there. And uh, yeah, tough, tough for Seattle. No shame in finishing, you know, second in the entire country. I always think the Memorial Cup has got to be it's not pro, but one of the toughest trophies to win in sports because not only do you have to win your league, then you have to go on and play the best teams from all the other leagues. It's it's ridiculous. So uh, no shame for Seattle. Heck of a run. And uh, Quebec, I guess they showed the best team in the country. Yeah, they did a really good job. You know, you really, you really got to give them credit. And I, you know, for Seattle, it's such a good year, right? You do all those great things and then you get to within, you know, five goals of winning of winning the Memorial Cup, and you, you you don't get it done, so it's hard. But I think that team will have a lot of players that go on to have success in uh, pro hockey, and and many will be moving on, and there'll be other guys that are able to uh, contribute on the Seattle next year. Um, this this is crazy. I have so many texts coming in here. I'll just get to a couple. Hey, Strutty, what you just said just sums up the game's Oilers' loss versus Vegas. 
Struds, are you explaining how Quebec won or how Vegas beat uh, the Oilers? It's exactly how the Oilers played us, and the Oilers passed around the boards. Crazy didn't see how to get through that setup. Well, I didn't really, it wasn't my intention to slide into the Oilers conversation at 2.11 on uh, uh, Monday, June 5th, but it is, it's, it, I've, been, I've been there now. I'm not going to suggest that I'm, or I was the most skilled player on the ice, probably the best looking, but not the most skilled. And it is, it, there, it creates an illusion of success when you have the puck in the offensive zone um, and you're kind of passing it around, again, outside the dot. So if, if, if you know the dot lines, you know, there's four dots on each side and outside those dot lines or close to those, it feels like you're getting something done, but in reality, you're really not doing anything. Now you have puck possession time, Right, and I know that's something that we all love to wave that flag. Ah, oh, you gotta have the puck, you gotta have the puck, and I I do agree with that. But at some point, you have to get inside the dots and attack, attack that space, and it's hard. It is so hard because, you know, when I played on teams where we were good defending too, we made it hard for teams to get inside the middle of the ice too. It's hard. It's a really hard to get in there because you got to get by the first guy, and then the second guy's there. You got to stick. He's hitting you if you're playing in a hitting league. So, yeah. It, I think it's fair to say that you know the owners have to they had to find a way to get through there. I don't I don't think it was quite as dramatic. It was only one game now, to be fair, but I don't think it was quite as dramatic as what we saw with Seattle as compared to uh, compared to the Oilers Vegas series. Um, well, let's move into that now that we've we've, we've got that uh, ball rolling. Vegas takes game one against uh, Florida, and uh, they play again tonight. So we'll we'll talk a little bit about uh, Giorgio Richards in a couple hours. Um, you know what? A couple of things that stood out for me. Number one, uh, Connor would be the way that they handled Kachuk and Sam Bennett. Uh, those those guys, you know, they were so effective in the previous the previous three series, like elite elite ability. Um, they were all over the ice and they had impact with hits. And what was it? Kachuk had three game winning goals, I think, in the third round. Like he was so good. And then. We talked about it a bit on Friday. I said, the way to handle those guys is you're going to get hit from them, but just skate away. And how many times I, I, I can I can think of times where Petrangelo, who's been targeted by everyone this this uh, this playoffs, Stone, and Hague all just kind of accepted punches after whistler or whatever, and and they just skated away because if if Florida, if you if you allow those guys to get into the game after the whistles. Sorry. If you allow those guys to influence your behavior after the whistles, it brings them more into the game for Florida. Now, those guys are going to impact. And I think that for Bennett and Kachuk specifically, and even Gudis a bit too, they have to try to play and irritate Vegas between the whistles. So, you know, hard hits or hard finishes, uh, those types of plays, rather than reacting or trying to get something going after the whistle, I think after the whistle, those for or uh, Vegas is smart. I mean, they they know who they're coming after, and they're just going to skate away. I thought it was a huge moment in the game when Kachuk threw that uh, that puck up the middle, and not surprisingly, Stone is there, and he takes that puck away, and that was a three-two game, and then all since four-two uh, game at that point, you know, it was just. I don't know what I don't remember off the top, but like five minutes left in the third period or ever. That was a huge one. A huge goal. And um uh, Stone is so smart. He's always in the right place and makes it happen. But for Vegas, 
there is no no way no way you need to um engage with those guys just skate away because now if they if for Florida to get those guys to react, you need to have, like you think of uh, Bennett's hit on Jacob Slavin, you need to run that guy over like that, and then people get engaged, and then they have to come after you. But when you're chasing it, it's just not the same. And uh, so it would be interesting to see how that plays out tonight for, for both teams. I mean, we've seen the recipe. We've seen the recipe of what it, what, what it can look like and um, for, for Vegas and for Florida. But I think you'll see a Florida team that's energized tonight, Connor, and be um, not that they weren't ready, but I think uh, like just a little bit more, a little bit more on their toes during the whistle, between the whistles, rather than after. What do you think? Well, I think I think that'd be great, right? I mean, Matthew Getchuk and Sam Benning, like you said, or Bennett, like you said, uh, where did they lead the team in penalty minutes, misconducts, things like that? So it, Vegas is a veteran team. I, I feel like they're going to let them do that and just kind of shake it off if they have to get them back. Get them back on the scoreboard where it matters like they did in the third period. It was a 2-2 game after 40 minutes. Uh, could have gone either way. And, you know, I think Vegas showed their maturity and uh, maybe focus in this one, where they wanted to take the game. Not worry about as much the the play after the whistles. You know, let Florida, let them run around, do those things, focus on what they could do between the whistles. And, yeah, got the job done. By no means is this series over, though. You got Bobrovsky, who you know is going to bounce back as Florida team. They've been in worse situations in the playoffs, Struddy. So, yeah, for sure. Series is a long way from over. Uh, I don't know if they'll bounce back like that other Miami team did last night. But, yeah, there's got a long ways to go for the Vegas Golden Knights still. Yeah, it's crazy. We're talking about two teams that are, you know, well, one's trying to get back in the series and one did get back in the series last night, uh, both from Florida or Miami. And we'll talk about uh, the Heat. Now, I watched quite a bit of that game, and, man, the Heat, they just find a way to get it done. Like, last night, I didn't watch it all, but I watched some of it, and it seemed like, and this isn't meant as a shot at uh, Jimmy Buckets, but it wasn't necessarily him that was, you know, he was the guy that was getting it all done. It was his his buddies around there that were kind of, you know, the other um, the other guys kind of chipping in and getting points. So it wasn't just all Jimmy Buckets had to go off and have an amazing game. He played well, but it wasn't like the Jimmy Bucket show, right? Other guys were chipping in, and you kind of go through the the regular cast of uh, characters that they have that got it done. And I think that's um, pretty good. Also, doesn't hurt that they heard. Uh, I think they had like. 17 or 18 three-pointers, which makes it pretty good, Connor. Yeah, yeah, they were good. Uh, 17 to 35, you're shooting 48%. That is good. And yeah, like you said, Strutty, uh, depth, or not sorry, depth, but kind of even scoring, not counting on Jimmy Butler to do it all. You had Gabe Vincent with 23 points, Bam shipping in with 21. Whenever he's helping out offensively, it's going to go a long way on the flip side for the Denver Nuggets. Uh, in game one, Jamal Murray was really good, and we saw the bounce where Jokic wasn't counted to do all the scoring. Game two, he has 41 points, but the team still loses. Yeah, and it, it was close too, right? I mean, the Miami Heat played really good in the fourth quarter, putting up 36 points to to get the lead. But at the end of the game, Jamal Murray, uh, Chef Murray, as some would call him, had a chance to tie it up and, and was close. So, yeah, it, it's been a really intriguing final so far. I know Gregor and I were kind of pumping the tires of Denver after game one, saying, man, I don't, we'll see what happens if Miami can find a way to get back into it. They They got the job done, and it was a complete team effort. I love it. Got the conspiracy theorists out here today. Hey, Strutty, goal for uh, was knocked down by a high stick by Stone, but because it's Vegas, it's a good goal. If Florida had that, it would have been uh, the correct call been made. Bettman's baby will win no matter what Florida does. Hmm. 
that's a that's an interesting uh take i don't know i just can't i don't understand the uh the mindset of the conspiracy in professional sports so what about the other goals i'm not sure that it matters you know let's talk about some of the goals where uh zach white cloud and uh theodore scored and both times florida's players were in front of them in front of Bobrovsky. was that gary bedman dressed up as those players screening their own goalie I think you got to be a little bit careful when you start thinking about conspiracy theories in sports. I just that's a hard one for me to swallow, really hard. All right, let's just recap what we got going on. Coming up right after the break, we'll have Tommy Gazzola, Ben Brown, talk a little football uh, at two forty. Uh, we got a special little thing though around three o'clock. Connor, do you want to set that up for us? Yeah, well, this was just kind of dropped on to me by Gregor before he uh, went on his what did you say trip of. Self-discovery? Self-discovery, yeah. Journey yeah. Of self-discovery. Yeah. Well, we, Journey. <laughs> uh, I, I missed out on this one, but I know you were in studio last Friday uh, with Brandon and Gregor, and you guys got to try Papa John's new butter chicken pizza. And I, I spoke to people around the building. The reviews have been very good. Oh. We've got five to give away today and five to give away tomorrow. So we'll do that at 3 o'clock. And, uh, I mean, free pizza, always good, even better when it's Papa John's. Oh, yeah. It's so good. It is so good. I had the, uh, what was it, chicken? Was it uh, butter chicken? Man, it was good. I pounded that thing like it was my job. So that would be said around 3 o'clock. Shogger will join us at 3.20. We'll prime off the golf course. 3.40, Strad's on. Help me understand around 4 o'clock. Giorgio Richards, talk a little Florida hockey uh, with him at 4.20. Five questions, 4.40. Then Kevin Woodpile Woodley at uh, 5 o'clock in Gold Magazine. Of course, we love hearing your text at 10, 12, 60. Let's pause here quick so we can get Tommy Gazzola on and off so we can get back to the course. Next, on The Gregor Show, hosted by Jason Strudwick on Edmonton Sports Leader, TSN 1260. Welcome back to The Jason Gregor Show, hosted by Jason Strudwick for the next couple of days. Hope you're having a great day. Please text us at 10, 12, 60. Any thoughts or questions you might have about life? We'll try to answer them promptly and correctly. Let's dive into the world of... Uh, the Gazzola Chronicles, brought to you by Action Electrical, a family-run business for 50 years. They have a new solar division. If you want to save money at home or for your business, go to actionelectrical.net and start saving today. Uh, Thomas, thanks for joining us here. Let's talk a little golf. We haven't touched on this. It was a pretty fun weekend of, of action. And uh, in a tiebreaker, Victor Hovland wins uh, his tournament, but he wasn't done there. This guy is a real worker bee. A worker bee or just a, a really good pal, Struts. Um, I mean, he gets the win at the Memorial yesterday. That's great, right? Like, picks up a nice big check. He's an up-and-coming golfer on the tour. And then he heads over uh, down the highway and uh, tries to help his buddy Zach Boshu out to get a spot in the U.S. Open. So, like, I respect this. He's caddying for him, Struddy. Like, if you want a mega tournament, you got a million dollar, two million dollar check in your back pocket, or e-transfer, whatever they do now. Uh, are you going to go and help your your buddy out that you played college golf at OSU with to try to get into the U.S. Open? I think I would do that, but I think selfishly I'd be celebrating too much to be able to do it. And Victor Hovland obviously didn't. I think that was a pretty stand-up thing that he did. Yeah, it's pretty awesome to see that happen and for him to get involved in it. It's, but, you know, your buddies and you're young, you just want to go have fun. I, I get it. I think it's a pretty cool thing, uh, very cool thing. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit over to the uh, the NHL. Obviously, we know that Florida's up or down, sorry, one nothing to Vegas. Um, 
when you look at that, you know, is it is it just as simple as Bobrovsky's got to not be better, but just you know be outwardly to give Vegas a chance, or is there something else, or sorry, to give Florida a chance, or is there something else that you saw? I, well, the goals, a couple of them that they got on Bobrovsky were through traffic, and he's looking for the puck. I, I think of Theodore's goal where he was able to walk in. He had about 25 feet to just step in, and then there was a nice screen in front, some chaos in front, and he sifted one through. Uh, another one of the goals, same kind of thing, point shot sifted through. And, and Bobrovsky, who has been otherworldly for the majority of his playoffs when he's been playing after those first three games where they started Alex Lyon, um, you know, they didn't help him out in front. So the Panthers' defense needs to do a better job of clearing out the front of the net. When Bobrovsky sees the puck, like 100% of the time, he saves it. And, and so he was, he was fighting to find it. He couldn't find it because there was traffic in front. I know that Vegas has big boys that can crash and bang and, and make a lot of noise in front of uh, opposition nets. We saw that firsthand with the Oilers facing them. But, I mean, I think Bobrovsky's been at the top of his game since he stepped in this playoffs, I think he continues to be. I mean, if if it's going to take him superhuman abilities to make those amazing saves when he's you know blinded by traffic in front and he just somehow finds a way to get a wing on it, then sure, you know that could be a difference maker. I mean, we're all talking about the save that Aiden Hill made that looked like the one that uh, Brett, Brayden Holtby had against the Golden Knights in 2018 and. You know, what a weird similarity, and all these years later, he's making a save like that. So um, I think Bobrovsky himself, Strads, is fine. I, I just think that uh, Florida, who, you know, handled Carolina quite well, uh, riding that momentum of a win over Boston and uh, convincing second-round win as well, uh, you know what? They got smacked by a team that's, that's riding just as high and playing incredibly well itself and uh, maybe stacks up a little bit better against the Panthers. So this is a, a team that the Golden Knights are, uh, the Panthers are going to have to adjust to because uh, they're a little bit of a different beast, and they're on the war path to a Stanley Cup here. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. I was reading today that uh, teams have won the first two games in the final or, or something like 90% of the time they've won the, the Stanley Cup. So I'm not saying this is a series, but it's pretty damn close to this is a series tonight. And, and when you look on the other side with Vegas – you know, the way they're able to spread the scoring around. You know, Marsha so didn't score much early uh, in in the playoffs, and so now he, he's he got his game going. Stone, I think he's got seven now uh, already. Uh, Riley Smith, but then I think so importantly, two defensemen, right? And I and I believe both times they, the, the, the Bobrovsky was screened on these, but, you know, Theodore's play was so skilled to have the, the cojones to dangle back and forth on the blue line and then just rifle that puck in there. Like, I was really, really impressed. And I, I've always been a fan of Shea Theodore. But, I mean, that is a really skilled play he did to get it in there and to have two goals from your D-man. Man, Tommy, that is just, like, found money. Yeah, the uh, the depth scoring from the Gold Knights, I mean, they helped pave the way to victory in that 6 nothing win in Game 6 against uh, Dallas. And then, uh, you know, you think of Carrier, he had a, he a two-point night, Colasar with a goal in that one. And then anytime you get contributions from the back end, and, and Strud's like, listen, Shea Theodore did make a great play. Instinctually, he's got that offensive knack. He recognized that there was a theme, and he stepped into it and took advantage. And, and that's a Shea Theodore that's been banged up this postseason. He was banged right. up to finish the year. And uh, maybe a little bit of extra time uh, to heal up between games. And I know he's going to have extra time between games in this series with the way the league laid out the schedule. But 
uh, that's a confidence play. You know, he does have that natural ability, but that's a confidence play, good recognition. And then, again, the, cra- the created traffic in front goes a long way in helping Theodore find some twine, and, and you know, Bobrovsky's left-blinded. So I'm sure Vegas is going to count on that same type of mentality, same type of game plan, same type of wave of attack against Florida. And whenever Florida tries to bring the rough stuff against the Golden Knights, A, the Golden Knights are big enough, strong enough, mean enough to handle it, and, and B, uh, when it gets stupid, like it did with Kachuk and Bennett, kind of trying to send a message, if you will, late in the game. Um, you saw Nick Hag laughing it off, and uh, you saw even Petrangelo tied up with Kachuk earlier, and, and he was letting Petrangelo or letting him uh, take punches from Kachuk. With he's kind of smirking and being like, "Come on, man, uh, that's good composure," because it's too easy to get caught up in that crap. And uh, the Golden Knights didn't bite, and I think we're going to see. You know, this physical component and edge from the Florida Panthers try to, you know, like set the tone and uh, and, and get after the Golden Knights early, and, and we'll see to what success they, they have tonight. Joined by Tom Gazzola for the Gazzola Chronicles here on the Jason Grego Show, hosted by Jason Strabrick on TSN 1260. The Quebec Ramparts win the Memorial Cup last night. Obviously, many uh, Western League uh, hockey fans are disappointed it didn't happen. Patrick Wah, though, you know, there's some that are talking he's going to move out and become an NHL coach. Um, reports say suggesting that the, his old teammate, Chris Drury, will not be interviewing him. He's not a coaching candidate for the Rangers team. But knowing what Patrick Wah's done, I have a lot of respect for him as a player, as a coach for doing what he's done, you know, grinding away. He did have his one time in the NHL, but he's been grinding away in the, uh, in, in the lower leagues, kind of learning the craft. Would you consider him a serious candidate for any jobs that remained a la uh, Calgary Flames? Uh, a serious one? Probably not, Struds. Like, mm-hmm. Patrick Waugh is, is a pretty confident guy. He's pretty set in his ways. Um, and, and that doesn't always jive well with A, players, and B, uh, management. I, I know that when, you know, he had his parting with the, the Colorado Avalanche, it wasn't amicable. And Joe Sackick was his teammate. They won multiple cups together. And uh, I, I just think he's so steadfast in his way that that's what's worked for him with the Ramparts. Owner, GM, coach, his way or the highway. And, uh, and, and that works in major junior hockey. You don't really get that opportunity so much in the National Hockey League to, to have, like, complete autonomy the way Patrick Waugh does. So I, I would assume... Probably not, but the guy has a, a track record of, of winning pretty much everywhere where he goes. Now, it, it didn't necessarily work out that way in Colorado. I know they had that one monster year early on in his tenure, and then it kind of they, the next season kind of fell off a cliff, and, and it didn't. It just spiraled, sort so to speak. I remember a, a night when the Oilers wrapped up the season, or it was end of season, and. Denver, and we were at the uh, the Cherry Creek Cricket, as you know. Uh, we're all familiar with it if you traveled around. And at one table was Patrick Waugh, and then like two tables over was Todd Nelson, and both guys with just a total, like a full table of beers. And, and both of them, you know, were kind of in limbo going into the next year. And I'm like, where the hell am I? So uh, just, just kind of as a funny aside, but I, I, I think Patrick Waugh is a long shot. I mean, he has to have someone in management that really, really likes him and really, really believes in him. 
and has a history with him to instill him as a coach because uh, he seems like a, a hard guy to play for, especially when things aren't going well. Yeah, I know today Greg Cronin was hired as the uh, new coach of the Anaheim Ducks. If you're, you know, if you're listening and not familiar with him, he was assistant coach for, for many years, player in the NHL, assistant coach for many years, and amongst others in the Toronto Maple Leafs. And now he comes in as a head coach at six years old, his first head coaching job in the NHL. So I, I would call that a bit of a uh, under-the-radar hiring by uh, Pat Verbeek, the first-time GM in uh, Anaheim. And then you've got Calgary still looking for a coach, and you're looking for the Rangers. So, I mean, the Rangers, if they say they're not interested in Patrick Wah, well, that just leaves Calgary. And I'm, I don't know... Craig Conroy, if there's a fit there as far as him knowing him, and not you have to know everyone that you hire, but I think it does seem to open more doors. So we'll see what happens there. And uh, one last one for you here as uh, we're joined by Tom Gazzola on the uh, Jason Greger Show, hosted by Jason Strudwick. Your thoughts on the Cole Caulfield deal, eight years with Montreal for, for the smaller sniper? Yeah, um, I, I think that's pretty adequate for where we're at. I mean, they're, they're buying into... Uh, what he'll provide in the future. And you know what? He's had a pretty good start to his career. I appreciate him going for a nap to celebrate, except that's not how I would be doing it. Um, Struddy, this is a team <laughs> that's it's in transition, obviously, and, and they're going to have to build their team around guys that want to be there. Clearly, Cole Caulfield wants to be there. Um, now, he's not the biggest guy, but if you surround him with, with guys that could create space for him and uh, put him into – you know, the right areas of the ice and find him there, you know, a la Brett Hall, who wasn't the big guy and uh, can find him when he's, you know, streaking down the wall or something like that, then it's, then it's good. If he's going to be the sniper that everybody thinks he is expected to be, then this is a good deal. And uh, you know what? These, these deals always start out with the best of intentions, uh, especially the long ones. And then a lot of them, uh, generally work out. Some of them go south, but I think this is one that is going to work out okay. And it, and it seems like the Avs are putting together uh, the building blocks in place to make themselves a relevant team in the league. And to see Cole Caulfield rewarded and being a centerpiece uh, for the Montreal Canadiens going forward, not really a surprise. So uh, that's one where you look at it and you go, yeah, it seems about right. And by the time that contract's done, maybe we're looking at it and being like, hey, that's a bit of a bargain. Tommy, thanks a lot for this, buddy. We'll catch up with you again uh, tomorrow. Sounds good, Shreddy. Tom Gazzola. The Gazzola Chronicles brought to you by Action Electrical. I'm going to get into the the Montreal Canadiens uh, later today. I believe that they're an interesting team, but for you Habs fans, there are not many players on that roster that are going to be on the team in two, three years. I think there'll be many, many that'll be gone. Many that'll be gone. And that turnover is going to happen. And unfortunately also for the head coach, he'll probably be turned over as well. Uh, well, maybe Marty will stick around. Mm, we'll see. But it's going to be, there'll be turnover. A ton of turnover. All right, Connor, let's uh, duck out here quickly. When we come back, we're talking football with Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus on The Greg Show, hosted by Jason Stradwick today on Empton Sports Leader, TSN 1260. Welcome back to The Jason Greger Show, hosted by Jason Stradwick. The next couple days on TSN 1260. I hope you're having yourself a nice day. Uh, let's turn our focus now to football. The NFL stories never stop coming. The play or the football report brought to you by Tenacorp. 
do you have an upcoming plant shutdown or worried about getting a replacement part or a new piece of equipment? Call the team at Tenacore to source and supply you with what you need, when you need it. Tenacore.com with two N's. Uh, let's bring in Ben Brown from uh, Pro Focus uh, for the football report. And Ben, uh, you know, there's there's suggestion that Dalvin Cook might be uh, looking for a new home. So where would be a likely landing spot that would be good for him and the potential team? Yeah, I know, like, the rumors lately have still been Miami, I think, like they said. Um, you know, reports obviously indicate there was at least something in place in March. But, you know, Miami going out, actually drafting Devin Achane as well, already adding him to a, a crowded backfield rotation I don't think is probably in the best interest of either the Miami Dolphins or Delvin Cook, I would say, in a lot of scenarios. So it, it, it's interesting. I think in some ways, um, you know, a lot of the backfields are crowded, it seems like, especially in the AFC and in, in spots where he has been linked to places like the New York Jets or Buffalo as well. There's already, I would say, quite a rotation of players and bringing in a veteran back into any of those rooms. Seems like maybe, I would say, maybe not the best use of, you know, capital that they could potentially use in other positions. So I think he stays, you know, in the NFC. Um, you know, teams like maybe like Carolina, I think, really don't really have like, you know, one particular back that they're, I would say, maybe most fond of. So I think a place like that, maybe, you know, going to, um, you know, maybe even Dallas or something, I do think he probably ends up staying in the NFC. And I think that's maybe the reason why, you know, the, the, the Vikings haven't cut him yet is they're kind of trying to at least block the scenario where they would go to, where he would go to a contending team that they're very much going to probably face off against in the NFC playoff picture. So I think that's maybe not only the delay, um, but the reason for why they haven't actually pulled the trigger on cutting him yet. And another big name for agent out there right now available to sign is DeAndre Hopkins after he was released by the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I know the Kansas City Chiefs and Buffalo Bills seem to be the two big names that a lot of people are talking about, but is there anyone else that you think might take a look at the all-pro receiver and what kind of contract do you think it would be? Yeah, it is interesting. I do think Cleveland now has kind of turned from this dark horse candidate to kind of be the front runner in a lot of ways. So I, I would kind of be surprised if he doesn't end up in Cleveland. Then, you know, obviously the Deshaun Watson reunion, it does seem to kind of be the, the way in which the Browns are kind of trying to construct this wide receiver room around Deshaun Watson. They don't have a ton of draft capital. So going out and making trades for guys like Amari Cooper. And Elijah Moore, I think, kind of fits the the team building approach that they're after. But if they can land a guy like like uh, DeAndre Hopkins in that, you know, probably like the fifteen million dollar uh, fifteen million dollar a year range, I think that would be something that they would definitely want to be on board with. They don't have the complete draft, they don't have the complete salary cap flexibility to do that right now. But I do think they can probably, you know, move around some contracts to actually have that freedom to maybe go out and pay them, you know, fifteen sixteen million dollars. But that seems to be about where the market would be for DeAndre Hopkins. And I do think there are, you know, maybe another dark horse candidate team could be the Dallas Cowboys, who I think very much have questions at the number two wide receiver position and seem to be, uh, you know, needing to make, I would say, an additional move to maybe close the gap a little bit with the Philadelphia Eagles. So I wouldn't be surprised if Jerry Jones goes out there uh, and also maybe makes a play at DeAndre Hopkins, even though they haven't, you know, been linked to them a lot or, or have kind of tried to squelch any sort of rumors that have been directed in their direction, I would say. Ben, I'm a pretty hardcore New York Giants fan, and I'm wondering if, if you believe they did enough in the offseason to, uh, I don't know how much further they can get as far as wins, but you know, maintain the wins they had from last year heading into this year. Yeah, I, I, I mean, they need to, uh, 
you know, I would say get and stay healthy at the wide receiver position. I think they definitely maximized in a lot of ways what Daniel Jones could bring for them. So I, I do agree, you know, getting him, you know, a little bit more of a longer-term deal, letting him grow in kind of the second season that Brian DeBull kind of has in place. Like, I think the expectation could be that they take some steps forward, but it seemed like they, you know, greatly exceeded expectations in year one of Brian DeBull. You know, him kind of turning into this coach of the year uh, candidate every single year, I think, is going to require them to run it back a second season. So I think they definitely have the pieces in place, especially defensively. Uh, the concern is, of course, that, you know, the, the, the NFC East is kind of like the only, you know, real legitimate division that we have in the NFC. So that might be a reason why I think they have like the six most difficult you know, strength of schedule according to some PFF metrics. So I, I think that's the concern that they might regress some just based on the fact that they have a much more difficult schedule in 2023 than what they had in 2022. We're looking on the NFL with Ben Brown of Pro Football Focus here on the Jason Greger Show. Jason Stroud Connor Halley with you today. Uh, when you talk about, you know, Daniel Jones, obviously he got the contract extension with the Giants. Uh, there's a couple quarterbacks, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, maybe Tua Tagovailoa, who could be next to get their deals. Uh, when would you expect those guys to sign? And, and do you think they reset the market for the quarterbacks? Yeah, I very much think it's, you know, the Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert are probably going to reset the market and then we're going to have, you know, Patch Mahomes, you know, look ahead year and a year or two where they do kind of, I would say, restructure some things and maybe get some more, uh, you know, dollars and cents his direction, I would say, just because he did get, take a pretty team-friendly deal. And in some ways, if he wants to be the guy that resets the quarterback market after all these young guys get paid, I think he's very much in the right to actually do that. So I do think we see a reset with Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, Justin Herbert probably gets pretty close to it. I do think you know, from an ownership perspective, the Chargers, I think, have, you know, th- there's some additional concerns, I would say, there to m- the point where they might not they, they might not be willing to pay Justin Herbert, you know, Joe Burrow-type money, but I think they're going to have to get close if they want to. So I- I'm expecting those to kind of come, you know, maybe closer to training camp. If not, um, y- you know, it's going to be, I would say, a hot topic, and it's something that the, I would say both teams kind of want to get resolved sooner rather than later, so it's not something that's kind of lingering over, you know, their their outlook here in 2023, I would say. Ben, do you feel like the, or when do you think we'll get clarity as far as who is a starting quarterback and who's healthy for the San Francisco 49ers? Yeah, I think that's going to go, I would say, right up till, you know, um, you know, the first game of the preseason. I'm, I'm still a little bit leery about Brock Purdy being you know, 100% back and in the fold at that point, being able to kind of get a full a full reps in training camp right away. So I think it's going to be Trey Lancer. And I think they, you know, in some ways, approaching it from that perspective, trying to find out what they have with Trey Lance as early as possible makes a ton of sense. Uh, I still think when he is, you know, healthy and ready, Brock Purdy is going to be the starting quarterback. But I think maybe showcasing a little bit more Trey Lance, even if it is only in the preseason, it is going to drive up a bidding war that you know could very much already be happening behind the scenes with some of these teams. But I think there are a lot of interested teams in what Trey Lance could potentially be, you know, what what the trade compensation would be for him. Uh, and I very much think that you know Brock Purdy long term is very much the solution at quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. So the injury situation, you know, is obviously going to be at the forefront of everyone's mind heading into training camp. Uh, but I think by week four or five or so, you know, Brock Purdy is going to be. I would say kind of a long-term starter of the San Francisco 49ers. Ben Brown of Pro Football Focus joining us here on the Jason Greger Show, talking NFL. Uh, I want to ask you about the New York Jets. Obviously, it was a wild offseason for the Jets and their fan base. Uh, they're bringing Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Brees Hall expected to be back healthy. Uh, Garrett Wilson, a receiver who had a really good year last year. Alan Lazard, McCall Hardman. Uh, what do you expect out of this Jets 
offense, and can they compete? I mean, the defense last year was very good. Can they compete in that division with the Dolphins, the Bills, and the Patriots? Yeah, I mean, I think they very much are, you know, the, the second best team in the AFC East right now. I, I think that I would have them clearly ahead of Miami. Um, and kind of like what you mentioned, right, defensively, they're very much going to be there. I do believe, you know, in Robert Stala as kind of being a little bit of this defensive guru, it seems like they have built, you know, both the back end and the front end in his image. And he finally has kind of the pieces in place to really instill that defense. So I think they take an additional step forward on that side of the football. And then, you know, with Aaron Rodgers in the fold, you know, I, I think that's only going to push for Garrett, Garrett Wilson's, you know, development to be quicker than what even a lot of people expected. But he had a really good rookie season. Uh, you know, they, they brought in some other pieces to definitely be, you know, a, a part of that wide receiver room, guys like Alan Lazard, who, who Aaron Rodgers is very much familiar with, Randall Cobb as well. So I think they're a team moving in the right direction. And I think if you, you know, maybe expect a little bit of a Buffalo Bills regression, uh, you know, they are very much, I would say, uh, in line to be knocking on the doorstep to potentially, I would say, you know, win the AFC East. And from there, you know, are going to be a really difficult out, I would say, in the AFC playoff race as well. Ben, just one more for you here. Uh, the AFC North last year, the, the, the teams in that division could put up points. Pittsburgh trailed them a little bit. With, 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 uh, you know, what do you expect as far as some of the changes they made in, in Pittsburgh? A younger quarterback, can they, can they start you know, putting up a little bit more points to compete with that division? Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate, but Mike Tomlin's just, in, in a lot of ways, never going to be uh, you know, willing to go toe-to-toe with some of these high-octane offenses and try and put up more points for them. So in, in a lot of ways, I think we're going to continue to kind of see uh, a little bit of a neutered passing attack from Kenny Pickett in a lot of ways. I know Deontay Johnson, really good underneath-type receiver. He's going to get a high, value, a high volume of targets, but you know, outside of him, like George Pickens, I think definitely flashed, but like you said, didn't really have the opportunities, didn't have, you know, a ton of pass routes run or even targets in a lot of situations. So him and Allen Robinson, I think it's concerning. And I, and I think if they're looking at giving Najee Harris, you know, 300 plus carries, like this is an offense that is going to maybe struggle to compete in an AFC North. So I, you know, I personally very much think they're probably the fourth best team in the AFC North. I wouldn't be surprised if that's where they they finish. And I do think it's going to take another, you know, Herculean effort from Mike Tomlin to, I would say, probably get above their win total and have another winning record here in 2023. So I think it's going to be a long season for the Steelers. Uh, I just don't see them, you know, potentially competing in what is very much setting up to be, um, you know, one of two of the best divisions in football. Ben, I really appreciate, buddy. And we're all getting closer every uh, day to the NFL start, so I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, guys. Have a great show. Great stuff from Ben Brown, Pro Football Focus. That was the NFL report brought to you by Tenacore. Connor, do you think your quarterback will get a new contract in the next 90 days? I think so, Strutty. I think they want to get it done before the start of the season. I would hope they find a number before Joe Burrow signs his mega deal. Uh, I think, you know, if you are real with the negotiations and Justin Herbert's camp is is realistic as well, Joe Burrow took his team to the Super Bowl and, you know, you probably have him getting a little bit more than Herbert. But, you know what, I, I kind of joked. I, Herbert seems like a very down-to-earth guy you know let's just get him that nice 10-year deal million per year lock it up and uh, focus on other words to other areas around the the team to build but yeah actually i think the deal will get done before then both those guys get them out of the way as before they head into their fifth year option season but got to get it figured out similar to what your giants did strutty can't just let those guys walk out the door <laughs> what do you think the number is for your quarterback i 
a lot. <laughs> uh, highest paid quarterback right now. I mean, you look at the guys in that conversation, and then Jalen Hurts. He, I mean, he got his team to the Super Bowl as well. What did he get? He got a deal, two hundred twenty-five million, two hundred fifty-five. Sorry. I mean, I think it's going to be right around there for for Herbert and for Joe Burrow. Yeah, maybe they want to try to push it. You're obviously not going to get the guaranteed money that we saw with Deshaun Watson, but I could see them getting around, you know, 240, 250 million over whatever the years it's going to be, six, seven years. Big bucks. Good money. Big bucks. That's good money if you can get it. Talented guys. I mean, the quarterback is clear now, man. If you if you're talented. Man, they need you. They need you at QB. And I mean, I, I think the the blueprint is there, though. You have to do what Kansas City did, right? Where you can kind of work around, like Patrick Mahomes' yeah. contract can be worked around a little bit. You've got to find that flexibility to keep the talent around them. If you just pay your one guy all that money, uh, even though the salary cap in the NFL is kind of loose, it, it can still be tough. So the blueprint's there. I think it's just kind of finding that number both sides agree on and getting it done. Yeah, I love it. I love it, buddy. Well, uh, NFL is so much fun to, to keep track of, and it's just daily stories coming out. Uh, let's pause here quickly. When we come back, we'll have a, a little contest to get some pizza for you, pizza into your bellies. But right now, a sports update brought to you by Empton Police Service. They're hiring a rewarding career with over 100 different roles. Discover your policing career. Visit newepsrecruits.ca. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. 